I'm here to do a show for you of the variety that I like to call show. So I'd actually say variety show because, you know, there's a variety of topics and things. I was going to start out tonight by singing Ode to Joy. Um, I didn't because I don't actually know uh, the lyrics to Ode to Joy. And then when I looked it up, I realized that um, without actually seeing them in context, like let's say on a black screen, with white letters. Those white letters turning slowly yellow as the time to sing arrives. Like some kind of ketioke. I was hopeless. Secondary to that point, I can't sing for shit. People that have been listening to the show for a while know this. Well, I did. I, I sung a mean 99 or 9 Luft balloons just to keep the German thing going. So yes. I went to the audience, and I reached into them, and amongst their masses, I pulled forth information, questions, things to talk about. I said, audience, please provide me with what you would like to hear me talk about. And they, in the bountiful way that they always respond, trickled out in a asthmatic-like cough um, with, um, if you could have Twitter responses, if there can be lungers in, like, the old Western sense, where, like, my audience, my audience's responses to me is akin to tuberculosis. That there's almost nothing. There's no power. There's no vitality. It's just just a <clears throat> with a with a with a a watery kind of backdrop to it. That where once there was health, now there is just riddled, horrific lungs, uh, effluvia uh, being coughed out onto the dusty ground somewhere. In, I don't know, Deadpool, Arizona. You might be thinking, hey Alex, why are you already making fun of your uh, audience? Well, it's because, frankly, I didn't do enough show prep. And when I don't do enough show prep, I take the time to make fun of all of you. Because it wastes time. And I got an hour to fill. Of the topics, and of the people that I, I, still, I still love in this universe, there are three on this show. Technically four. At altered underscore one has a question for me. At fourteen writer has a question for me. Ask, ask. Hmm. That was uh, that was a slip of the variety that I'm not going to talk about. I think I realize what's off. I don't have my headphones on. It's actually really throwing me off, even though I don't have any clips to listen to. So part of me as I put these on. Ah, that's much better. Freuden something 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 Freuden Freuden Freuden. Um, <laughs> I need I need a nap. So uh, yeah, Chris Reddy asked me a question at Chris Reddy at fourteen writer at altered underscore one. Uh, my friend <clears throat> my friend Kathleen uh, was asking me some stuff the other night at the bar. So if I can remember that, um, and I think that's pretty much all I have. And I also reached over uh, to what I like to call the pile of crap that's within arm's distance. Uh, a.k.a. the echo chamber, a.k.a. the room with the creepy door, a.k.a. the room I'm currently recording in because I haven't used any of these terms, a.k.a. stands for also known as a book of random stuff. And um, let's call to attention the book of random stuff I reached out towards. I'm not going to read from this, but um, so in my panic, realizing that I did not uh, actually have any kind of show prep, I grabbed the first book I had sitting on the counter and I realized there was all sorts of printouts in aforementioned book, um, strange little notes that I found, and um, various other things. That's kind of adorable. So, it's a book called Hands-On Chaos Magic by... Really? Ugh. Well, I guess the name is Andrea Vitimus. Ugh. Anyway, 
Uh, it's reality manipulation through the Ovaiki current. Ova, Ova, I've never heard that word out loud. O-V-A-Y-K-I. Ovaki current. Um, all you weird uh, magical practitioners out there that have heard that word out loud, well, good for fucking you. I would pronounce it that way if I had, but I'm just looking at a piece of paper, and I don't really think you'd be judging me, considering we both practice a form of freeform magic wherein we make up our own rituals and spells. I don't think the pronunciation of some guy's name is all that important. I wish you would stop yelling at me. Stop yelling at me. Get out of my head, invisible people. So, the reason I... Uh, I found it amusing. So I was looking at that and going, oh, well, it's just the kind of normal book I um, I would read. Uh, so here, here's about the author. Andrea Vitimus has been a practicing magician for over 15 years in multiple systems with solid and verifiable results. He holds the highest initiatory rank in Haitian voodoo, that of Hongian Aswogi. Okay, sure, I said that one right. In the Roots Without End Society, he is a member in good standing of the prestigious Illuminati. Uh, Illuminates Athenateros, actually, do you know who that's the RT, North American section. He has taught metaphysical classes, alchemy arts in Chicago for the last six years, and blah, 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 okay, blah, 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 all right, this is boring. Um, though they spell voodoo in a way I would not have guessed. V-O-D-O-U. Interesting. Let's try to get you some... I swear this is going somewhere. Um, it'll be really funny when we get there. I mean, you're going to be like, wow, Alex, what a, what a, what a, what a poignant thing you just made, what a point that you made about the human condition. Um, cool. Uh, the You know, really, this book is somewhat boring here. There's a disclaimer. Let's see, he explains... Um, oh, here, you want to read what this... Let's listen to what he thinks magic is. So, what is magic? Hey, wait a second. That's weird. He spells chaos magic without a K. It's kind of odd. Um... Yeah, so, so, what is magic? This is a good question, and the first of many you have to answer on your own. Sorry, not the, not the MST3K this thing, but that's the question you asked in your own book. So if you're writing in the first person, which you are, saying this is a good question is just, is like starting your book with, this is a good book. That's, okay, I kind of don't like you already. Anyway. This is a good question, and the first of many you have to answer on your own. In this book, I will present methodologies and example workings that may give you the tools to answer that question for yourself, not via a, in quotes, book answer, but from your own intuition. Your answer should and probably will be different from mine. Alistair Crowley, in Magic, Book 4, Lieber, ABA, argued that magic is any intentional act of will. This statement is probably a good starting point. Thank you. However, I do tend to agree that magicians are born and not made. What I mean by this is that certain individuals seem to have odd coincidences that lead them towards picking up magical training. Why these coincidences happen, I leave to you, the reader, to decide. Here are all the magicians I have talked to. Jesus Christ, get to the what is magic. Cost of developing magic, blah, blah, This guy, yeah, that is a good question, but how would you answer it? Many books will present the formula. Magician, witch, awesome, risk a lot. Shamans do the thing, blah, blah, blah. Magititis is known because the magician believes that he, blah, blah, blah. Trade off here. Here we go. Good reasons to take up magic. This should be interesting. One, for self-transformation or to overcome limitations. All right, fair enough. Two, it's a calling. It's in your blood, in quotes, or you're drawn to it by events in your life. Why is that under, just, that's all listed under two, which is weird. And, and it's grammatically incorrect. It's a calling, comma, it's, in quotes, in your blood, comma, or you're drawn to it by events in your life, period. Three. I mean, we're already in a list. You could have just sub-list A, B, C, or just made that. Anyway, three, you have a desire to know or to be, you have a desire to know or to be or to create. That's, this is, I think I realize why this book's been sitting here for months. You have a desire to know or to be or to create. All right. That's just a difficult way to word it, not having punctuation in that sentence. Four, you desire to change the now. Five, you're unwilling to be subservient to another master, e.g. fate or God, or you believe in the undiscovered powers of humankind. But the... All right. I really don't like this guy. Let's just break down a couple of things here. Unwilling to be subservient... I'll stop being from the grammar, but... Unwilling to be subservient to another master, e.g. fate or God, or you believe in the undiscovered powers of humankind. I mean, those... Okay, both of those are actually fine. I'm, f I'm fine with that being like a reason to go into the magical kind of 
arts or whatever you want to call it, but why would you put that in the same list column? And why are those antithetical to the other? Like the way the sentence is, that word or would mean those things are so. I just don't understand what being subservient to another master or you believe in the undiscovered powers of humankind. It's just and or, or just and. It's just, it's just weird. I know it sounds like I'm being, well, I am kind of shitting on the grammar, but it's more so trying to take tasks with the guy this this guy views his magical system. I mean, if, if he really thinks that the choice is between, grr, I want to be, I don't want to be subservient to another master, and then the only other option is, well, I believe in the undiscovered powers of humankind. It's just a weird, it's a false syllogism, I think is the phrase. It probably isn't, but, you know, this is going on the internet, so I'm sure I'll be corrected. Bad reasons to take up magic, which might hurt you. One, to be the bad boy or girl, or to have a rebellious image. Eventually, you do a BS ritual, and something will listen and make itself known. In parenthesis, you won't be prepared. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think statement A naturally leads to statement B, but yes, it is stupid to take up magic if you want to just look like a rebellious, badass kind of type. That's what happened to John uh, Constantine from the Hellblazer books, and uh, he spent the rest of his life trying to uh, scratch his way through life by tricking devils and demons into um, allowing him to stay on Earth a little bit longer. Um, but eventually doing a BS ritual, uh, something will make itself known to you and you won't be prepared. I mean, that's... Yeah, that is... But that can happen if you're doing magic for a good reason. I mean, you just, you know, being careful. And not, anyway. To seem powerful and great, as opposed to aspiring and working towards greatness. Let's <laughs> get a note, C number one. Thanks. <laughs> Three, to sucker people into buying your books. Oh, really? Fuck, I gotta quit magic. Which include magic you didn't even try. Pet peeve had to throw it in. What did... Okay, okay. yeah, it's... Pet peeve had to throw it in. It's not pet peeve had to throw it in. It's just, you realize you only had two numbers on the list, and the other list had five, and you obviously don't understand the concept of balance. Why does the book have the word Oveiki in the subtitle? While the book is titled Hand-On Chaos Magic, the word Oveiki reverts the intelligence of the book. It is an egregoric presence that manifests as a result of the creation process. The name itself was developed... Oh, I get it. Uh, so what this guy's doing is... Um, I think we've talked about this on the show before. Tulpa. Um, tulpa is a... It comes from... I think it's a... I think it's a Hebrew magical system. Uh, but essentially, Tulpa is a, is a thought form that comes into being... Uh, if you focus on magical intent so much that you can actually call forth into being something. So, uh, if you so much believe in, um, oh, how would one, I won't try to give a good example. Let's say you, 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 um, oh, Alex, let's try to be a little, you believe your house is haunted so much that you actually kind of create a spirit to haunt your house, which I didn't want to use that example. Cause like there's so much, you know, baggage that comes with the concept of spirit, but, or, um, uh, a tulpa could be, uh, you're so worried about getting a car accident you manifest a situation to have your car accident, which again, a really bad example. Um, you need a, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, it's a thought form that kind of enters from the, from, from will and desire into the real world and can kind of do shit for you. It's kind of like a spiritual servant or it can be, you know, something else entirely. It can be something goes again. So like a tulpa could be, uh, if something gets talked about enough, it comes, oh, you know, be a good idea for a tulpa would be like a, um, uh, the Slender Man, which we, uh, we've referenced in the show before. Uh, it's The Slender Man was invented on the internet. We can trace its lineage. This is not an ancient form of something. This is not a, a prepackaged bit of uh, cryptid research. This is just some kids. Uh, it's spooky pasta, I believe, was the phrase they used for it. But it's just some kids made it up or adults made it up. But now it's gotten to the point that uh, there's so much kind of will behind it and so much uh, attention paid to it that people are actually having Slender Man sightings. So one would call that a tulpa. Um, this also holds true for like Bigfoot. Some people believe that Bigfoot was actually just um, a tribe of Native Americans that wore their hair long, and it was just kind of a, a, a mistranslation of their name. So um, the kind of tulpa concept can be applied there as well. Like, so you start seeing um, Australopithecine or, or Gigantopithecus in the um, in the woods of you know North the Pacific Northwest of America, um, while because you know, it now exists because we thought it existed is basically the long form around it is that, you know, you thought into existence would be a tulpa. So anyway, I don't remember why I started talking about tulpas. Oh yes. That this book, what this guy was referencing is that, um, 
he's trying to create a tulpa within the book that the creation process of writing the book is actually a magical act, which is not all that fucking surprising. I mean, that's, you, you probably could have seen that on, you know, a kid's show in the seventies. Like it's, it's, they're going to talk about how bills on Capitol Hill get passed and then talk about how reading is magical. But, um, what, what his idea here is that this is actually a, a, a thought form or a, uh, a, 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 a living spell, an actual, uh, a, a, a concept come into being, uh, because of, uh, because of the writing of the book and because of the energy of reading the book. So good for him. Now, the reason I found it funny to grab this book, so, uh, you can see the kind of level of stuff I'm dealing with. So, but tucked in the book is, um, well, here is, let's see, some handouts. Well, this is a handout that's called a dialectical behavior therapy. Cause, uh, these are handouts from my therapist, uh, that she gave me that I should go over. Uh, in between therapy sessions. So inside my book about chaos magic and the creation of thought forms and how will can influence reality, I tucked the fact sheets from my therapist. If anybody ever asks what my show is about, and people do ask, and I, and I hem and haw for a second, I think I will say my show is about finding a book on chaos magic and then realizing that printouts from my therapist are inside of them. And then if they don't get that, then they just don't understand. And that's good because I had nowhere to finish that sentence. Anyway, I just found it really funny when I was desperately trying to find show prep and I found uh, old uh, handouts from my therapist, which by the way, not, not that I don't talk about therapy on here that much because really it's, um, it's not your goddamn business, but uh, I don't like handouts and I don't know how to really tell her in a, um, in a more direct way. I mean, I guess I probably should, you know, I probably should just feel open enough for it, but I thought like the whole, like, um, we never ever talk about them afterwards concept would eventually get the point across that these are not, uh, uh, therapeutically useful. <clears throat> Apparently that's untrue. It just doesn't sound like I'm, I'm, I'm bagging on my therapist. She's a very nice woman. She's been quite helpful, but, um, I don't, I don't think she, she, um, Basically, I just wish she would stop giving me handouts because uh, it's just a waste of paper. That was um, was an incredibly boring segment, and I'm really sorry I just did that to you guys. Uh, I apologize wholeheartedly. And uh, I'm going to stab myself in the gut with a ritual dagger committing seppuku. And um, finally, I will regain the honor of my family and my um, my. I don't know, ancestors or something. I also found a piece of paper, a pink piece of paper that I drew stuff on at work one day that's randomly sitting in, um, randomly sitting in that book. Um, I don't know why I drew on pink paper. I'm, I'm supposing that there was reasoning behind it, but I'm Alex, so the reasoning will be lost to the ages. Not really. Let's read one of the things that people wrote in. I wish you guys could see me right now. I don't wish you guys could see me right now because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unattractive and overweight, but I meant you should see me right now because I was just looking on pieces of printed paper to try to find the notes that are on my computer screen because, I mean, you know, I'm uh, firing on all cylinders. <clears throat> Pardon me, I had a <clears throat> bit of a bit of a, something, I had a tulpa in my throat. i take a sip of delicious soda. My, um, my Brita filter <clears throat> is is done. It is um, there's a little light that blinks when uh, when the Brita has has finished its 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 usefulness as a as a filtering system. And I do notice that uh, very close to the blinking of that light, um, it, it, I, you can taste the difference in the water quality. So it's you know well done on them for the the timing system that they've developed. But I'm at that point now, and I actually feel like I've got like like uh, some kind of horrible. <clears throat> death in my throat, like a, um, like charcoal filter dust and, and, um, some kind of, uh, probably fluoride and chemtrails and, and, uh, probably, probably some Ebola, um, I think. <clears throat> so pardon me for, uh, for clearing my throat so, so much. This is, this is the pits. I saw today on the internet, I'll get, I'll get to these questions in a second. Cause now I realize there's something I can talk to you guys about. Um, 
the problem is I'm you guys I'm at the Alex cast on Twitter if anybody doesn't follow me you really should because here's the thing is I'm I mean I'm a delight I think is is the phrase that people like to use um I'm uh adorable interesting um I I find ways to connect disparate objects to one another and and force you into a land of whimsy and wonder and then I bitch about the Scrabble app. The fucking Scrabble app on my phone keeps telling me I should download Real Racing 3 or FIFA 15, like, the best team. It's every time I open up the fucking thing, and it's really annoying, because I'm never going to download either of those two. And it's a bloated app anyway, and I don't like it at all. Now, the people that play Scrabble on the computer will probably be thinking, but Alex, if you purchased the app, that would not show up there anymore. And let me please have my cogent response to that is... Fuck you, fuckstick. That is a good point, but I'm, I, I got no argument except I, I just don't wanna. I, I don't wanna pay for it. Uh, speaking of which, I um. Somebody that I talked to on a somewhat regular basis made a casual, flippant reference uh to to words with friends. Um, I don't talk to him on a regular basis at all. I haven't talked to him for about six months. But given my social group consists of, of, of never talking, if, if I talk to somebody more than once a year, I consider it often. So, made a casual reference of words with friends. So, I've joined that thing again. Uh, so, I think I'm the Alex cast, if you want to play a game or something. Uh, I'll throw that out to you. This isn't like a plug. I hope it doesn't count as a plug. I just, I, I thought you guys would find it amusing to, you know, like, you're all a bunch of literate weirdos. Like, you know, we, we could play a game together and you'd be like uh like hey look i i beat a guy that wrote a book in 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 a fake scrabble variant just don't cheat i hate when people cheat at that game i was recently listening to an old episode of this show uh, the show being the alex cast and i was uh, i was going off on a rant about how much i hate people that uh cheat at scrabble on on their smartphones so um if i find you cheating i'll make you sit down and listen to that episode ebo lie People in the Western world need to know what's happening here in West Africa. They are lying. Ebola as a virus does not exist and is not spread. The Red Cross has brought a disease to four specific countries for four specific reasons, and it is only contracted by those who receive treatments and injections from the Red Cross. That is why Liberians and Nigerians have begun kicking the Red Cross out of their countries and reporting in the news the truth. Now bear with me, colon, full stop, carriage return, reasons, all cap, colon, full stop, carriage return, carriage return. Every word that's not and or to is capitalized in this, by the way. Most people jump to depopulation, which is no doubt always on the mind of the West when it comes to Africa. But I assure you, Africa can never be depopulated by killing 160 people a day when thousands are born per day. So the real reasons are much more tangible. Reason 1. This vaccine implemented sickness being called Ebola was introduced into West Africa for the end goal of getting troops on the ground in Nigeria, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. If you remember, we were just trying to get into Nigeria for Boko Haram. Bullshit. Hashtag bullshit. Apologies. But that fell apart when the Nigerians started telling the truth. There are no girls missing. Global support fell through the floor, and a new reason was needed to get troops into Nigeria and steal the new oil reserves they have discovered. Reason 2. Sierra Leone is the world's largest supplier of diamonds. For the past four months, they have been on strike, refusing to provide diamonds due to horrible working conditions and slave pay. The West will not pay a fair wage for the resources because the idea is to keep these people surviving on rice bags and foreign aid, so they remain a source of cheap slave labor forever. A reason was also needed to- oh, you get the point. Reason 3. In addition to stealing Nigerian oil and forcing Sierra Leone back to mining, troops have been sent to force vaccinations, deadly Ebola poison, onto those Africans who are not foolish enough to take them willingly. I keep copy- I keep editing this- uh, this- this- writing and i'm using that word uh quite wrongly uh so please understand it's much worse Three thousand troops are being sent in to make sure that this poison continues to spread because again it is only spread through vaccination as more and more articles are released like the one from above blah blah blah, blah reason for three thousand troops is ebola susceptible to bullets 
ridiculous. Last but not least, the appearance of this Ebola, in quotes, pandemic, should Americans not catch on, will be the used to scare countless millions into taking Ebola vaccine, which in reality is the pandemic. Already they have started with stories about how it's been brought back to the U.S. and it appeared in Dallas, blah, 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 blah. All that will do is make blacks strive to get the vaccine because it appears that the cure is being held back from blacks. They will run out in droves to get it, and then there will be serious problems. We have all been revealed about the vaccines this year. You would think we learned our lesson. All I can do is hope so, because they depend highly on our ignorance and complete their blah 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 Ebola is a hoax. So I saw this on Twitter, and I'm sorry I read all that. Um, I, I thought the part in the middle was more amusing because I just skimmed through it. I didn't realize how long that would take to read out loud. Um, so I was like, oh, motherfucker, really? They're doing the Ebola hoax thing? And, you know, it's one of those, anytime a big story comes up, it just... I know I'm going to run into people that believe it doesn't exist, but, um, so I went, I went and looked, I did a little, I did a little research on my, myself by research. I mean, I typed in Ebola hoax into Google and apparently there's a growing concern of people, uh, a growing group of people because a growing concern of people, although is grammatically correct, it's just an awkward way to phrase something because we are concerned as a concern that, uh, there is a growing concern of people that I did it again believe that Ebola was created in a lab and is used in the depopulation program uh, of Africa. But this person says it's not depopulation, it's they're, they're trying to get troops into Africa so that way they can steal their oil and somehow make people get diamonds more, which I'm not really sure how that works. Um, how killing people gets, I, I, I just, I guess I'm missing a point that how killing your workers gets them to work for less money. I, I guess they just, the concept of like scarcity is a little confused on them. That in fact, actually the less amount of workers there are would be the higher demand they are and actually would be less likely to work for low paid. Like I'm not saying they're not going to be slave labor. I'm just saying that the thought process of this is going to reinforce the slave labor is kind of weird. All right. So yes, Ebola is, uh, is not true. Uh, it is only, uh, given to people that have the vaccine and that's how it works. Now this is interesting because, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's no vaccine for Ebola. I, you know, I probably should have said that before I read that whole thing. Yeah, uh, it doesn't, it's not like a thing that exists. Like they're working on one, um, but it's not, it's not there yet. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. So it's, that's another. Remember when I was got all mad at that guy that said nobody died in 9-11? This is on that level uh, where you, like the things you're saying are really dumb and every one of them could be disproved immediately. Oh, that reminds me. I'm going to get to questions in a second. Everybody that goes on conspiracy theory shows, I'm not going to name one in particular. Um, so I'm certainly not going to point out the higher side chats, but it, I, I realize I'm not pointing out the show because uh, I'm not insulting. I love Greg. He is, uh, he is a wonderful man and his guests are often interesting, but I need his guests to understand that penultimate means the one before the last. It doesn't mean super ultimate or ultra ultimate penultimate is the one before the last, like the, like Hey, look, this book has 30 chapters. The penultimate chapter is 29. That's what the fucking word means. Please stop saying penultimate like it means really ultimate. It's fucking infuriating. And, and you know, all the other bullshit the guy was saying. But that's fine, because that's really fun. Like, nonsense about Illuminati and, 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 and Enkidu and Enlil and creating humans in labs and all that stuff is wonderful. I like listening to it. But it's this thing where conspiracy theorists will constantly use... Penultimate and uh, and nonplussed wrong. I don't know why they do it. I'm not saying these are like, I mean, I'm not saying you should even know the word penultimate. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, what a dumbass he doesn't know that word. It's why do you, it's like there's these weird words that people like grab onto and just use wrong when they're not even like common words enough to, so it's like you went out of your way to be wrong with the word. Like, like nonplussed, nonplussed, you're, you're bothered is nonplussed. It's not it's not you're normally in a state of plussed and then you're nonplussed. No, nonplussed is to be bothered, to be flustered by something. You're nonplussed. Um, I guess because the non throws them off. The point is, these are not common words. Why are you using them? Like you're using them to have like a cool vocabulary, but you're using it wrong. And those two happen a lot. Like if you listen to conspiracy, like if you listen to Art Bell or George Norrie, the, the, the coast to coast guys, I'm going to say three out of every 10 guests use the word penultimate wrong. I mean, if you said three out of every 10 guests use the word penultimate, I think that would be statistically relevant. Like, what the hell is happening here? Why why is there a subgroup of people that attach themselves to this word? It's like, is it a code word? Is that like, oh, they said penultimate, let the chemtrails out? I don't know. But the point is, there is no point. It just, it's, 
it's something that eats at me is don't say dumb shit that's easily disproven like if it takes if you have to click two links after you google i'm okay i'm not going to get mad at you for your easy uh disproving because you had to click two links if you only have to click one link or not even click a link you just look at the immediate top results yeah sorry it's not something that can happen around here uh it, it, it's just i don't want you to do research i just want you to understand that your points are such bullshit that you don't even need to research and penultimate means the one right before the last one doesn't mean like yeah people ask me questions on twitter i didn't realize i had such a bug up my ass about that i'm sorry but it was really cathartic to get that out there so i really thank you guys for letting me be um letting letting me be your letting you be my sounding something to do with a sounding board is what i'm trying to say um but yeah i'm penultimately nonplussed right now altered underscore one Oh, no, we're not going to ask that one first. Here's the problem. Not the problem. Here's here's my difficulty. Uh, let's answer Chris Reddy first, because this has nothing to do with the other two. Chris Reddy asks, what is this thing that's growing on me? Uh, it's called entropy and age. Uh, you're slowly marching towards death. And even with your socialized health care up in Canada, uh, you'll be dead far quicker than you realize you're going to. Um, I think you should enjoy every sandwich, as the phrase goes, or every Tim Hortons, as as you may do up north. That thing growing on you is impending doom. Doom. Or if you want to be positive, that thing growing on you, success and handsomeness. At 14 writer asked me, what did you do with Kim Jong-un? Well, apparently Kim Jong-un uh, was not, did not do a public appearance for like 40-something days. Uh, national media reports are saying that he did show up the other day, yesterday, two days ago. I saw a wonderful Photoshop. Uh, well, not a Photoshop. There's a picture of him between two like kind of high-ranking generals, and it looks like he's being propped up by them. And then next to it was the cover of Weekend at Bernie's, the seminal 80s movie in which uh, two men pretended that their boss was still alive and carried his corpse around and used it as a marionette to, I don't remember what the plot of the movie was other than the fact that their boss was dead. It's quite funny. So yeah, Kim Jong-un, he's, he's, he's probably dead and they just got someone that looked like him. So they're, you know, he's play acting because that seems to be the way they do it. If there's something inherently special or important about the time 11-11, uh, uh, why not the same for 222-1234, etc.? There is. Uh, there's nothing inherently special about 111. That's just the one that got uh, notoriety in the synchronicity world recently on Twitter. Not even recently, but it seems to be the one that gets grabbed. Um, there, there, that happens all over. That happens, yeah, uh, to a lot of 222-1234. I know people with a more mathematical mind have commented that they happen to see that. I have a preponderance... And it is, well, I'll get to my, what I think the reason is. I see 929 pretty much every night that I'm, you know, I have the ability to look up at a clock and happen to look up at a clock within five minutes, give or take, of 930. It's far more likely that it's 929 than it's not. You know, if I if I do that 10 times, it's probably seven or eight of those will be 929. Not 928, not 931, 929. Now, anything special about it? No. 929, the reason for me is uh, that's my birthday, September 29th. And not that your birthday means much, but it's just one of those things I think when I was younger, I just kind of looked at a clock one day and just kind of, I don't know, just, or something, some connection was made, some synapse fired, synapse connected, shut up, Alex. And it's just kind of been this kind of subtle thing in the back of my head for a while. And now it's become, you know, like a, it's freaky how often I do it. What I think it is, is that we, and as much as I hate to give the prosaic answer on the show because it's much more fun to be completely over the top and ridiculous but what i think is happening with one one uh, you know 11 11 or whatever is quite simply we are pattern recognizers that it's i've talked about it before pareidolia where that's when you see a face in something that doesn't have a face when you see mother mary in a piece of toast or something uh you know jesus on the side of a building we are pattern uh, recognizers. It is fundamental to our nature. The people that recognize patterns in the deep, dark forest, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, the people that went, oh shit, that kind of looks like a panther uh, and ran versus the people that go, nah, it's just some sticks. Well, the people that, that said just some sticks, every now and again, that was a panther. And those people did not get to pass their genes along. And over the course of evolution, uh, and I know I'm being quite 
flippant with how evolution works, but just let's, we can go back to, you know, the common ancestor, yada, yada, but you get the point. The idea is that, you know, uh, complex pattern recognition is inherent to early man's survival, especially with our completely limited physical skill set. The quicker we recognize threats, aka patterns, the better our chances of passing genes along. That expresses itself in the modern world as seeing weird things like uh, number patterns or, you know, seeing Jesus in toast. So if you think 1111 is the weird one to see, you're going to, you are going to more often notice 1111. And not that, if somehow you could, without bias, like, you know, if you could tape yourself every second of every day and somehow note when you looked at a clock and then actually note down how many times it was 1111 and then how many times it wasn't. I don't think statistically it's going to be more often 1111. And if it is, it's probably just because we have, you know, a pretty neat internal, you know, chronometer happening inside of us. So we have a pretty good idea of what time it is. And somewhere in you, because that magical thinking is there, 1111's in your head. So you're going to look when it's 1111. But if you think 222 or 1234, uh, or if you're one of those people that do military time, I'm sure there's other ones. The point is, well, 222, yeah, point is. No, I don't think there's anything inherently special about that. I think it is. Uh, pattern recognition. I think it is, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a mutation of our survival instincts, uh, gone, gone mad, gone mad. Yes. So moving on, we'll go to, oh, the reason I read Martin's first was the next one up. I mean, it's a good question. Okay. Well, let's give the other side too. Is that the other side is that, you know, it is synchronicity is that, you know, we are, we live in a giant magical universe and that, you know, seeing that time is a subtle reminder from source that uh, you do live in a magical universe and to keep your eyes on the road ahead and uh, keep plowing forward in, in spiritual practice and magical practice, say the more synchronicities in your life, you know, that's, you're, you know, you're on the right path, the more synchronicities that happen. So that eleven eleven thing can be one of the subtle reminders to kind of keep yourself moving in a direction that is, that is, you know. That is good, whatever that means. But you know what that means. I was just distracted because I was trying to read the next question while um, while uh, while saying things out loud. Um, altered underscore one. Uh, our friend Brett, wonderful man, asks me this. Whatever. I kind of copy pasted this weird, so let's figure it out together. This is not his fault. This is my hack job on copy pasting. Conviction in belief. Science cannot explain the supernatural, yet there is still constant debate. Uh, Discuss a happy medium place where both sides can exist. I would love to. Thank you very much for this question. The happy medium where science and the supernatural can meet is in a place I like to call science. Bear with me. See, science isn't debating supernatural. It's shitheads on Twitter that say stuff about science. Science is 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 a is is a system. It's not a it's not a singular thing. Science is is making observation, and then using that observation to maybe compile a hypothesis, and then gathering more facts, and and, and then trying to gather together uh, demonstrable proofs for it. And putting together evidence-based theories, and then moving forwards and doing millions upon millions of tests, and then trying to prove your original thoughts wrong, and then eventually, maybe, maybe in the very, very rarest of times, you can come up with a theory based on all of that hard work. That's there's nothing against the supernatural for that. Um, it's just there would need to be better rubrics to define supernatural, and then we could test them using the scientific method. So. Yes, science cannot, I've said on the show a million times, science can't prove uh, there's no God. It's not science's job because you would have to say, the the science behind it would go like this, there is no God. How would you prove it? Well, I would need to test every single molecule in every single verifiable way across the totality of the universe since its beginning, before, and after, and then using no observation of that God somehow prove that observation of that God would have proved its existence or non-existence. So you see the point, like there's no way to define or develop a system that science would be applicable to that question. However, if you take supernatural, let's say ghosts. Uh, through my observation, I find that ghosts may in fact be remnant electromagnetic, uh, you know, uh, fluctuations from the existence of a human being. That human being uh, uh, is, you know, kind of tapped to a place uh, a la. Um, a, a record, uh, you know, what's a, a magnetic tape, you know, a cassette tape. So science can actually go, wow, 
what an interesting idea you have there. We'll go so far as to call that your hypothesis. You've looked at data. You say, well, it looks as if, you know, that's why there's electronic uh, interference when quote-unquote ghosts show up. Let's try to figure out what this could be. Now, science using that can go through and develop a system of, uh, of experiments to try to prove this. So you would find a place that is, you know, let's say 20,000 places that are known to be haunted. I'm sure there are those. And you put in EMF readers and every other measure of electrical uh, uh, device that's, you know, that can record electrical impulses. And then uh, you would uh, gather that data for X number of time and then compare the results of that data versus the... Uh, what happened in the house according to uh, completely biased observers like the people that live in the house or you know the um the person that works at the at the the haunted bar in 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 Schrapslanger England um which really english sounding name end with langer to have an english sound it's really fucking smart alex so yeah and then they could look at that data and figure out if there's something there and then redo the experiment hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of time and try to come up with a you know a viable hypothesis for what's going on and then maybe we could explain what's going on so science would explain the supernatural because there's no difference the supernatural is just things beyond the natural world which happens all the time it then it just becomes part of the natural world um uh, uh, Einstein uh, was making fun of uh, the beginnings of quantum theory when he said spooky action at a distance. Uh, it was, he was kind of fucking about, I mean, okay, I'm being really flippant here, but let me go back from Einstein. Let me take that back. Science people, stop yelling at me. 1820, um, spooky at a, spooky action, oh, Jesus Christ, oh. quantum theory sounds like fucking maniac talk and would easily be referred to as supernatural. Now that we're seeing we're using quantum theory to have predictive results on stuff. It is no longer supernatural. It's just part of the natural world. So science did it. Yay, go science. Um, so science can explain the supernatural because there's no difference. They're the same thing. It's casual people that like to use the terms wrong. Um, so when, when on any ghost hunter show, when they go, oh, we're using scientific methods. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're showing up with a fucking a, a, a tape recorder and a fucking and, and hope. And you're saying that that's scientific method. It's not. EVP is, it's, there's no, there's no scientific method. It's good television, yada, yada. But that's not science. That's, that's electronics being used in an arbitrary way based on arbitrary theories. So, but they're not being supernatural and they're not, you know, they're not studying the supernatural and not using science. So, so we already have a really great way to study the supernatural. It's science. We already, we already got it. There's no real debate because if there was enough evidence for science to look at the supernatural in any way, there wouldn't, they would do that and then it would just be part of science because it's not like there's some big conspiracy against it. Like, do you realize how, do you realize how excited a scientist would be to, to like, oh yeah, hey, you know what I did in the lab today? Proved ghosts. Like, yeah, that would, that would be like the biggest uh, thing ever and you would win every prize ever invented and they'd invent new prizes for you. It would be the Nobel Prize in, in science ghostism. So, yes, science and the supernatural, they can exist in a wonderful, wonderful overlaying cohesion. But that's what I was saying about that 11.11 thing for Martin's question, is that both sides can exist because, like, Jung, he's the one that came, I think he coined the term synchronicity. I mean, and he's, he's of a scientist background. I think some scientists would argue that behavioral science actually isn't a science, but he's science-y, and he's the one that coined synchronicity. And you can use supernatural concepts as metaphor to understand the world and by doing that we can extrapolate real science from it or at least real understanding from it so one one you know 11 11 being something that carries an intrinsic power well the answer is manifold like if you want to say like if you wanted to posit that there's this magical part of our body that can that can without us knowing it recognize ancient patterns and force our attention towards something outside of ourselves at the exact moment we need it force in order to have something weird occur that's fucking magical thinking that's supernatural subconsciously your brain made you look at the microwave at 11:11 for no you didn't choose to on a, on a on a conscious level that's magical but it's not magical because we can explain it by, by, you know, scientifically. But if you just took a few steps back and kind of wiped the little bit of uh, the kind of scientific explanation for it away, it's magic. It's supernatural. But so it's the same thing. So if people didn't, you know, if if because there's no real argument, there's no debate. It's just people like debating dumb shit. So 
all you'd have to do is have unlimited resources essentially. So if, 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 if we had money enough to study ghosts, uh, we would probably get that shit solved. Uh, but there's no money in that other than ghost hunting shows. Cause I mean, frankly, there's not enough data to have a solid hypothesis to start testing. And then, I mean, what are you going to do with it? It's, it's, I mean, are you going to be the college of ghost studies at Cambridge? I mean, this is, this is why the ghostbuster got kicked out in the beginning of ghostbusters one. At least I think it is. I haven't seen the movie in a while. But the point is, if they had money, yeah, we could study ghosts. We could study the supernatural. It would be easy. Like, do you realize how easy it would be to fucking find Sasquatch if if there was enough money involved? You just get a bunch of drones and just fly them over the Pacific Northwest. You map every fucking inch. It'd be easy. I mean, it wouldn't be easy. It would be a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. It would take, you know, huge amounts of time. And you wouldn't be able to disprove it, but you would give yourself the best chances to prove it. And that'd be fine. Not necessarily a scientific way to approach it, but you could statistically map out the best, you know, vector approach areas based on migration patterns, et cetera, et cetera, to give yourself the opportunity for it. But anyway, so that's the, that's that, that's that. So fun things from all of us here, all of you there. I have some more questions. This is from, uh, my friend Catherine. She, um, I wasn't supposed to give her name, but she was the one that I referenced pretty recently that, uh, not recently, the past like month or so that sent me a really annoyed letter saying, here is a group of questions for you to read on the air, uh, because I'm tired of you asking. So, um, my local friend, Kathleen, thank you very much. And, uh, obviously, um, I'm going to get punched for that. Uh, let's see. I want to see what I, uh, Blah, 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 just deal with me being blah, blah, blah. Uh, you have been eternally banned from every single bar in the world except for one. Which one is it going to be? Well, guys, I think you know the answer to this. Is me making a left turn? Because I'm not going to use that as a cheap way to start plugging the standard. You thought I was going to do it, too. You thought like, oh, Alex, what a, what a shitty, cheap fucking trick you just pulled on us. Like, oh, look, you know, oh, we read this question that she asked about what bar would you ban from? And you're like, oh, yeah, this fucking cheap jerk is going to start going into how Facebook.com slash the standard PDX is where you can find the website for one of the best bars in the world. I'm not going to be like that because I'm not some cheap shill just whoring myself out on, on, on a national podcast thinking that you can just trick me into talking about 14 Northeast 22nd and beautiful Northeast Portland. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to dance to your to your monkey music, your organ grinder music. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to tell you that it's dollar hams on Wednesday nights. I'm not going to do it because I'm not that kind of guy. I'm somebody that has principles. I stand up for myself. I walk in there on Sunday nights to enjoy a delicious $2 microbrew, which happens every night at the Standard, found at 14 Northeast 22nd in beautiful Northeast Portland. And I go... I'm a man that doesn't sell himself out. Writing question, what bar would you be banned from? If you're banned from all of them, what bar? Yeah, yeah. like I'm going to answer that. Like I'm going to answer that. Well, if you want to know the answer to that, go to facebook.com slash the standard PDX. But fr frankly, frankly, I'm, I'm insulted. You know, um, when I read that question, I actually was going to uh, not do the ad, but then I realized I'm lazy. So, sorry. Um... Have I answered time travel question before? Yeah, I have. What is my favorite expletive? I don't know. What do, what do you think my favorite expletive? I say fuck a lot. Let's just go with that. That was a stupid question. Sorry, I take that back. It wasn't a stupid question. That was a um, that was a fine question. That if I if I had any kind of improv ability, I would have I would have uh, I would have answered it. Oh, here's a fun one. Who would I resurrect if I had the chance? A celebrity or at least famous person of some variety? I'm going to assume that means authors and whatever. Um, oh, that's a fun question. Who would I resurrect? All right, I'm going to take religious leaders and stuff off the, off the board because I think just... All right, well, let me answer that one first. I think, I think resurrecting... Um, like the Prophet Muhammad or, or Jesus would be really amusing just to kind of watch what happens. But I, I think that's not the spirit of the question. I think the spirit of the question is more like a, a celebrity or a something. Um, oh, man, I'm really, you know, I'm really tempted to go the easy path and do Shakespeare. 
just because there's a bunch, you know, there's the lost folios and there's all this argument over like who he was and stuff. I think that would be cool because he'd be pretty accessible. Like the English he spoke is technically modern English. I think we could probably understand each other having a conversation. Um, I could totally get some writing samples from him and sell it before I tell anybody I brought him back to life. So that would be, that'd be some fat cash. That'd be good. Um, I could probably get him to write some sonnets for me. And then, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, pretty much you would never, like, that's, I, that's like, you'd get one Valentine's Day present. Like, be like, oh yeah, here, honey, here's, um, here's, here's a sonnet by, uh, William fucking Shakespeare. And then you'd be like, yeah, I'm just never gonna ever get anything else because that's the greatest gift, gift ever. And then, but then you'd probably read it and be like one of those really body ones where he's, you know, talking about like the, like how Calipigian someone is. Calipigian means having a fat ass. Um... <laughs> There are a lot of, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you ever read, I've been trying to read Shakespeare recently because I, I just haven't in a while. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of crude jokes in some of his, in his, in his sonnets and a lot of his plays. And I kind of forgot about that just because I haven't read it in a while. And frankly, I wasn't a huge fan when I did back in high school, but I figured as a grown up, I thought this would be a fun thing to revisit. Um, yeah, so I'd probably, Shakespeare would be cool. I think, um, Oh, let's, oh, now I'm kind of torn. I would, okay. If the laws of morality kind of go out of the way a little bit, I would, I would love to meet Richard Brodigan. He's my favorite writer, or at least one of my favorite writers, and he blew his brains out well before I knew who he was. And I think that's, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's unfair because he chose to end his own life. So I feel like that's a little bit of a shitty thing to do to resurrect him. Um, I don't know. We'd have to. We'd. I'd like your opinion on that, guys. If if I should resurrect Richard Brodigan or anybody else to kill themselves, I mean, they'd make the sovereign, known decision to do it. It would be nice to talk to him. Honestly, he might be a little boring, though. All right, so let's let's take him off. Yeah, because he's he's probably happy. He's all dead. You know, he he did it on purpose. You know, let's let's let, we'll let him go. Um. Oh, I'd resurrect David Foster Wallace just so I could kill him again because he's and uh, he's he, he annoys me deeply. And everybody that reads him uh, ir ir irks me. Not everybody. That's a raging overstatement. I just said that to be inflammatory and piss off the David Foster Wallace fans. Um, yeah, this is going nowhere. So let's go with uh, Plato. <laughs> Fuck it. Plato's famous. I'd resurrect Plato. He'd be like, hey, what's up, dude? Tell me about Atlantis. Because you only wrote that one line. And, well, I'm the kind of weirdo that boils down the entire work of one of the greatest and most influential thinkers in the history of humanity to find out about whether or not there was a sunken city that had crystal-based energy. Uh, Orthoth the Atlantean, who wrote the Emerald Tablets. Um, do we want to do another one? Oh, these questions kind of went nowhere. Sorry. I really thought I was going to do something with that, but I didn't. And I apologize for it. Yeah, I don't really have anything to tell you guys about either. Everything's been done. Everything's been caught up. The world is circled around itself. Oh, here's what I can tell you. I, uh, I like having a TV show that I have to watch at any given moment, like multiple, uh, season long TV shows. Not that I pay attention to, uh, but that's on in the background. It's, it's just comforting to me. I think some people like having music on or whatever. Uh, I go through phases where that's, uh, you know, I just listen to music. But right now I'm in a, I just like having kind of, episodic TV that I can kind of pay attention for a few minutes and, you know, turn back on. So, be, so I'm rewatching, <clears throat> uh, pardon me, I have a Sophocles in my throat. Um, I'm rewatching Fringe and I forgot how f just amazingly good that show got after the first season. Um, first season's rather plotting, but I'm to the point now, I guess spoilers or blah, blah, well, I won't give anything away, but uh, as the show goes on, there's like a lot of changes in kind of the set and setting of the show and based on the set and setting they do like kind of different title sequences like there'll be some episodes there like it's like the whole episode's a flashback to 1985 so their their um title in their their title sequence will be done in a 1985 style like uh done on like you know really crappy graphics like like it was made on a tandy um then there's times where they're like being like another variant of the show. So sort of like the theme will be slightly different. Like, you know, the color scheme will be slightly different. It's, it's just, there's these little touches that I think are rather, rather good. Um, so yeah, I got really, I got kind of obsessed with that a bit, not a bit, but I got into that and I caught up now. I've watched the first, um, 
two, maybe three episodes of the Gotham show. And uh, that's that's really dumb, like a lot. Uh, I don't know if I can really word it any better than that. <laughs> it's I don't even know what to do with it. Like it's 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 almost it's it's honestly it's it's almost closer to the '60s kind of campy Batman. Like there's like they had an episode where dudes like dude was killing people with with fucking uh, helium balloons. Like he was tying people to big helium balloons and floating. I'm. I I know coming from me as someone that that wrote the book I wrote, I shouldn't be so upset with balloons playing such a major part in in a show. But it's just it's it's you know frankly it's silly. That's what I'm saying, and I apologize for using such such harsh language, but it is a. Yeah, it's a far cry from good, but it's it's interesting in its crappiness. I, I'm I'm kind of fascinated. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you want to try to watch something that's sort of bad, but not quite train wreck good, like where you want to look at it for how bad it is, it's it's just, it's it's this weird uh, amalgam of it's it's kind of if if you saw the recent Sleepy Hollow show, which I actually think is back on now. I, I watched the I don't know how many seasons are, but I watched it I, whenever it came out. I watched a few episodes. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like that, but not as over the top. Like that show is kind of its strength is how incredibly stupid it is. Um, this is done in kind of a darker style, but then, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, just watch it. Get back to me. I don't know. So I need you to get back to me and tell me if, um, resurrecting Richard Brodigan is a good idea. Uh, I need you to tell me what you think about Gotham. Um, you can get mad at me for penultimate. And I think that's pretty much all I need from you guys right now. Uh, I'll leave the rest of my notes on the cork board in the main hallway by the cafeteria. Uh, not, not the one with all the announcements and birth notices, the one next to it. Uh, that's usually, you know, the one like where I'm selling my bicycle, that one, the, the kind of Craigslist the one, uh, go there, pull off a ticket and then, uh, drop it in the suggestions box and I'll get back to you. I mean, I'll get back to you post haste, post fucking haste. So, as always, I like to end every episode of the Alex Cast by reading from you, uh, from Shakespeare. Um, I've um, I've done this in upwards of never. So, I'm going to read to you from this thing. He can never meet more mischance than come to be but named of thee. His meanest garment that ever hath but clipped his body is dearer, in my respect, than all the hairs above thee. Were they all made such men? How now, Pisanio? I don't even know what fucking one of this is. Oh. I've actually literally never even heard of this play. Cymbeline? Cymbeline? Oh. Well, look at me being the Shakespeare scholar, not knowing the name of this thing. Cymbeline? Huh. Seriously, I've never, I've never even heard of this one. Anyway, well, there's a reading from Shakespeare that I'm never going to do again. I will put it next to the old chestnut, such as giving tarot readings. Um, and, um, yeah, actually, fuck it. We got time. I'm going to flip over three cards from my The Wild Unknown Tarot deck. And I'm going to predict the future for you guys. At least tell you what's up. Very good deck, if you ever have a chance to look them up. The Wild Unknown. And one, a two, a three. We have the Nine of Wands, the Five of Wands, and the Fool. Well, you know what, Sonny Jim? It looks like the nature of the problem right now is pretty goddamn dark, and things are looking bad. But... You do have a kind of a deity on your side. Something is looking up. You do have the power of this this bloody crescent moon that's on your side. And then the naked innocence that is the fool. That means you are starting a journey, that you are recognizing that there is a path in front of you still. And then you're about to move down it. You must move away from these horrible, horrible wands. Move towards light. Move up. That elevator of love. Towards the satellite of love. The satellite of love. Because I know that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. A satellite of love. 
a sad of life. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm closing out the show with Lou Reed lyrics because I'm Ron and Fez, because that's how they do it. This is this is on a list between one and the worst show I've ever done. This is on that list. So <laughs> my name is Bit Alex. Uh, you have been an audience that listened to my show. And I would like to leave you with this little bit of wisdom. This is from um this is from the great philosopher um whoever wrote this book here that's sitting on my table. And I leave you with this. The Greeks believed that Persephone was a manifestation of the solar energy, which in the winter months lived under the earth with Pluto, but in the summer returned again with the goddess of productiveness. There's a legend that the flowers love Persephone, and that every year when she left for the dark realms of Pluto, the plants and shrubs would die of grief. While the profane and uninitiated had their own opinions on these subjects, the truth of the Greeks' allegories remained safely concealed by the priests, who alone recognized the sublimity of these great philosophic and religious parables. Ah... <sighs> I remember when my mom used to read that to me before I went to bed every night. It's really sweet. I miss the old days, you know? Just, you know, waiting for Sunday to go to church and just, just loving life. Loving life. Okay, I'm really, I'm seriously done. Okay, I've been Alex. You've been the audience. I want to kiss you guys in the face. Namaste.